Okay, I want to start by reading this text in uh, Genesis chapter number 4 and uh, verse 1 through 16. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she, bare, uh, she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel in his offering, but unto Cain and his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother. It came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of the brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength, a fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from the, uh, thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain... Vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Now I see here in this text, I see in Cain a real problem that I believe has permeated throughout our society today. You see, listen folks, there is a real plague in our society right now, and I am not referring to the current coronavirus crisis. There is a dearth in the land, there is a plague which has taken over the hearts and the minds of those who are in our society. And I'm sad to say that it is not just the unbelievers that are being infected, but the believers as well. Both believers and unbelievers alike are being infected with this spiritual dearth that has swept over our nation. And you might say, well, what is it, preacher? What is this spiritual plague? What is this spiritual dearth that you speak of? I'll tell you, friend, it's apathy. It is a lack of concern in the hearts and the minds of men towards an almighty, holy God and towards the things of that God, the things that that God cares about. 
Listen, folks, the people of our world and the people of our country have become completely disinterested in God and the things of God. And I'll tell you what, if there was ever a time where we needed God to turn the tide, let me tell you, friend, now is the time. The prophet Amos faced a time like this. And in the book of Amos, he wrote in Amos chapter 8 and verse number 11, he wrote of a famine in the land. And he said it was not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Now, I like that. That's something to really think about, isn't it? Listen, folks, we have a dearth. We have a famine. We have a plague in our land that is taking over the hearts and, and the minds of men. America and her people and her churches are dying or already spiritually dead at this current moment. Churches have become predominantly a man-centered, um, uh, have become man-centered. They are more like going to a nightclub or a rock concert for the most part than a church service. Most Christians have become so casual in their faith that there really is no distinction between them and those out in the world. You could not tell the difference. There is no holiness in living. There is no reverence for an almighty God. And there is certainly no consecration to the Lord Jesus Christ who died on an old rugged cross and bought them with his blood to save them from a literal burning eternal hell. And this unconcern, this disinterest in our country and amongst modern Christians, uh, listen it has affected the world around us as well. For they see how the average professing Christian is so casual, is so unconcerned, is, is so disinterested in God and in what God wants in their life. That's what they see in the church. That's what they see going on with American Christianity. And listen, folks, if the Lord and the things of God have become so unimportant in our lives, then why in the world would we think that the lost world is going to be concerned about our God and our faith? The truth is that they won't. You know, over the past few weeks, we've had some places here in America where the government officials have literally deemed church services and ministries non-essential. Now, I don't know about you, but I really don't like that. I don't think there's anything more essential in this life than, than the church and worshiping and serving God. There's nothing more essential than that. And really, with <clears throat> what it gets down to is with what these lost government officials see around them, I don't blame them for categorizing the church and ministry in that way. Because listen, folk, what they see is they see casual and half-hearted so-called Christians that treat the church and the things of God as though they are of no real importance. And so certainly, listen, the church... The so-called Christians, they've given the appearance 
to the lost world, to the government. And it isn't really all that important. Listen, the government may have labeled it unnecessary, but a whole lot of Christians have shown by the way they're living that church is really unnecessary. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says, Jesus said that we are to be salt. We're to be salt and light. And listen, friends, salt preserves unless it has lost its savor. And I'm telling you tonight that the churches and the Christians of America have lost their savor. And we need to get back to old time Christianity again. Amen and amen. I truly believe the reason we have seen such a complete and total disinterest in God in our society is because the people of God and the church of God has lost its savor. They see our disinterest. And so they are even less interested. And you say, preacher, I know, I know it's true for other churches, but not ours, right? I wish it wasn't that way. But the truth is, all you have to do is look at the numbers. You know what I mean? The numbers don't lie, and you realize it's true. Think about it for just a moment. The numbers drop from Sunday morning to Sunday night, and then they drop again from, from Sunday night to Wednesday night. Why? If God is so important, if God is so essential in our life, why do those numbers continually drop when the doors of the church are open? Well, I'll tell you why. Because people are voting with their presence about what is most important to them. And listen, it is not God, and it is not the church, and it is not the things of God that they are deeming most important and most essential in their life. And the world sees that, and that's why we've got governors getting up and saying, no, the church is not essential. And then you sit back, and I'm, I'm just like any other preacher. You just listen to what people have to say, people at our church, people at other churches. Listen to all the reasons why people justify not coming to church or not going to church throughout the year for many different reasons. Not serving God in some way or form in their local church. Not living for God in some way or form. And of course, you know what? I see that as a preacher, but the lost world sees that as well. And they look at you, Christian, and they see all these justifications of why God is not essential and of why God is not important and why church is not important to you. And they see the reality of it. And their conclusion is that the church and the God of the church is not essential. And they too are uninterested. And we wonder why we've got a problem in America. Let me tell you, friend, we need some revival. And we don't need revival in the lost world. We need re revival right here in us. We need a revival right here in the church. Amen. Let me tell you, friend, if such carelessness and unconcern and disinterest in God and the things of God, uh, this carelessness, this unconcern, this is the way of Cain. 
Maybe you've never thought about that before, but this is the way of Cain. Jude wrote, Jude 1.11, Woe to them that go the way of Cain. And truly, I'll tell you what, we need revival. But that will never happen unless we, as God's people, get serious once again about God and the things of God in our life. Rather than making it petty and being apathetic, careless and unconcerned Christians. When will God get the preeminence in the church again? When will God get the preeminence in the Christians' lives again? I'll tell you what, if he doesn't, we won't see revival. We want it, don't we? I, we all say how much we want it. But yet we go through our petty motions, doing our pittance before God, but showing how really unessential God and his church is to us. May God help us not to go in the way of Cain, because I think that's what's happened in America. The church and the Christians as a whole have gone the way of Cain, where they are completely, totally disinterested in being around God or being concerned about the things of God and what is important to Him. And so tonight, what I want us to do is I want us to look at this text and I want us to notice here what was involved in Cain's disinterest in God. And may the Lord help us to see if we have gone even remotely in that direction of His wrong way. May God help us to repent. Uh, to, to turn from that, to change our mind about it, say, forgive me, God. I've been careless, God. I've been unconcerned here, God. Well, God, hey, listen, God, I need some revival in my life, in my church, in my country. I've been careless with these things, God. Please help me to get back on track where you are first and foremost in my life once again. I pray God will speak to our hearts tonight. And if there happens to be one that's listening tonight that does not yet know the Lord as their Savior. And let me tell you, uh, Cain was accountable for himself as well. And his indifference was a result of his rebellion as well. You've got a choice to make. I don't care. You can point your finger at everyone out there that calls themselves Christians and doesn't act like a Christian if you want to and say, well, I can justify living how I want to live. But let me tell you, friend, when, when a push comes to shove and you stand before God Almighty one day, he's not going to ask you about so-and-so over there. He's going to ask you about you and what you've done with the sacrifice, what you've done with Jesus. If you would accept his payment, his sacrifice, and trust him as your savior, then you'll not get in, friend. And so I hope you'll think about these things tonight. First of all, I want you to notice here as we consider the disinterest of Cain, what caused this. I notice, first of all, his choice. Look with me, if you would, again, at verse 3 through 11. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth that his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass 
when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel, thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. Listen, folks, God, or listen, listen, folks, Cain, Cain's choice boils down to this. He chose to rebel against that which God required and, God, and what God said was right. Now, had Cain submitted himself to the Lord and what the Lord wanted, guess what? None of this would have happened, would it? And truly, let me tell you, a choice of rebellion is what leads the lost. It leads them away from God. It leads them on the path to hell. And it leads them to everlasting destruction, just like this man came. It was this choice of rebellion that led him down that path to hell. It was this choice of rebellion that led him down that path of disinterest and unconcerned concerning the things of God. Rebellion will lead you that way, my friend. But so also, rebellion in the life of a believer is what will lead the saint away from a close fellowship with his Savior to a place of chastisement. Listen, friend, the first thing that comes to my mind when I think of that is Brother Jonah. Did not he flee from the presence of God? Did not he in rebellion say, No, God! God, I'll not do that! And rather than submit to what God wanted in his life, he rebelled and he sinned and he ran from the presence of God and what God wanted in his life. Either way, Listen, friend, this foundational choice is the origin of man becoming disinterested in God and in the things of God as well. So examine your heart as we dig into this tonight. Ask yourself, am I fully submitted to the Lord? Am I fully submitted to what God wants in my life? Or have I chosen to rebel in some way or form? Be honest with yourself. You're not going to have revival if you're not. Don't deceive yourself. Don't lie to yourself. Be open and honest and ask God to reveal the truth to you. Maybe we should even trace this thing backwards. And ask, do you find yourself disinterested in God or the things of God? You say, what do you mean, preacher? Do you find yourself disinterested in God or in the things of God? Well, maybe, listen, friend, you need to find out what seed of rebellion and sin has been sown in your life to cause this. Because it doesn't happen by accident. That's not the natural, uh, natural response, the natural life of a believer. The natural life, the natural response is to submit to God, to follow God. To live for God. To love God. 
And so if you're disinterested in God, in the things of God, let me tell you, friend, it's likely because you have sown the sin of rebellion and some sort of disobedience in your life before God. You see, it doesn't happen by itself. There's a choice somewhere down the line that's taking place that's causing these problems. That's causing these, this disinterest. Cain was disinterested in God, didn't care about a relationship with God. It was because of that choice of rebellion to reject what God reject what God required. Listen, Jonah, Jonah didn't end up in the belly of a whale by accident, accident, friend. That was a result of his rebelling against what God wanted in his life. He got to that place of being separated from God, being disinterested in what God wanted because of his rebellion and sin towards God. Let me tell you, don't, don't you tell me, well, Jonah was still interested. Jonah was completely not interested. He was so in, uninterested in God, it took him three days and three nights in a whale's belly before he would cry out with God and out to God and get right. <laughs> well, that's pretty awful. I hope that's not what God has to bring us through to get us to get right. But that's what God had to do in his life. So we see, first of all, here, as we examine the disinterest of Cain, we first see the choice. Secondly, I see here the cause. Look at verse 16 of Genesis chapter 4. Verse number 16 says, And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Notice it says here that Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. Now listen, friend. Rebellion and sin, think about this, it does not cause us to want to be around God, but instead it causes us to flee from the presence of the Lord, right? That's the truth. When Jonah rebelled against God and fled to Nineveh, uh, what does it say in the book of Jonah? Well, it also tells us, just like it does of Cain here, that he fled from the presence of the Lord. His sin, his rebellion, caused him to not want to be around God or involved in what God wanted him involved in or where God wanted for him to be. You see, when you start growing disinterested in the Lord and the things of the Lord, let me tell you, friend, that is a sure sign that you have a problem. You have a problem with sin and you have a problem with rebellion. Maybe you've not even recognized it, but the seeds have been sown. The foundation is there because otherwise you would not be sowing. You would not be reaping that disinterest that's in your heart, that's in your life even right now. For listen, for lost Cain... It started with his rejection of God's requirement of a blood sacrifice for atonement. For saved Jonah, it started with his rebellion and his rejection of God's will and God's way for his life. Listen, my friend, be sure your sin and your rebellion will cause you to be uninterested in the Lord and what he wants for your life. You can be sure of that. Now, let me tell you, that's, that's very much the reason why a lot of these individuals out there, they're living lifestyles of sin, why they don't care about God. They don't set foot 
in the, in the church house. Why? Because they know what God stands for. Okay, many of the homosexuals, many of the adulterers and fornicators, the drunkards, they don't want to have anything to do with a preacher or the house of God. Why? They're disinterested in God. They're disinterested in the church of God because they realize that their life is completely contrary to God. And that cause, that sin, has caused them to be that way in their life. So they're hardened to the things of God. They got that heart of stone. Uh, they're so hard to God because they love their wickedness and they love their sin and they don't want to give it up. Oh, may God help that not to be said of you and I, Christian, that we get so hard in our sin, that we have that heart of stone, that we just cling on to that thing and we won't let it go. We're like a Jonah, day after day in the belly of a whale, unwilling to cry out to God because of our stubbornness and our pride. Listen, friend, how much do we have to go through to get God to do that? How sad it is that it took Jonah three days and three nights before he finally cried out to God in that belly, that, that, uh, belly of the whale. May God help us to see the error of our ways and quickly confess it and forsake it that we might have the mercy of God on our life. And I praise God that his mercies are new every morning, Christian. You can remember that. So listen here. As we consider the disinterest of Cain, we see the choice that was made. We see the cause of that disinterest. It was related to his sin, his rebellion against God. I notice also the company uh, surrounding this disinterest as well. In verse 16 of our text in Genesis 4, it says, And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east side of Eden. So notice... That Cain, what does he do? He up and moves away from God because he did not want to be around God. He did not want to be uh, where God was or with what God stood for. And so obviously he now prefers the company of the wicked in a worldly place away from God. And as I was thinking of this, I was thinking it's very much like that prodigal um, in that New Testament text where he flees from the father's house and he found himself in that sin city and in the midst of ungodly sinful men because he fled from the house of the father. Truly, listen, friend, our sin and our rebellion will cause us to flee from the Lord and will cause us to seek out such company uh, where we can be at ease around others who also are indifferent to the Lord and what he wants in our lives. You know, listen, friend, I'll tell you what, if, if you start, if you get in a crowd of people and you start speaking out for the Lord Jesus Christ, I mean, you live a godly life and a godly testimony for, for, for the Lord before them. Guess what happens? <laughs> they all disperse real quick. They don't want to be around that because they flee from, from the light, from the salt, from the effect of God in your life. Okay? And so let me tell you, the company you keep and the company that you flee from is very, very telling about where you are spiritually in your life right now. Um, 
Could it be that you have chosen to surround yourself with such company because you are running from God? Because you are running from what God wants in your life? Or because you are in rebellion or you are indifferent? Could that be the case? Well, I think oftentimes it is. The lost run from God because they don't want to give up their sin. The saved sometimes run from God because they don't want what he wants in their life. And they'd rather rebel than surrender. Wave that white flag of surrender and submit to God and what he wants in his life. And so they choose a company of ungodly sinful men. But my Bible tells me, blessed is the man that does not sit in the seat of the scornful in the way of sinners. Okay, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. That's the type of man that I want to be. That's the type of Christian that you ought to want to be. And so may God help us to take notice. This indifference of Cain was seen by the company he kept. He didn't want to be around God and the people that loved God. He wanted to get away from that to a place where he could be amongst worldly people in a worldly place separated from God and what he stood for. Okay, notice number four tonight. Okay, so we're looking at what was involved in Cain's disinterest and indifference toward God. We saw the choice that he made, the cause. Uh, we saw also the company that he kept. Number four, I want you to notice here the contrast that I see. Uh, Genesis 4, 16, we'll read this again. This is the main verse, main text for tonight. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Now this tells us Cain ran from the presence of the Lord. Now you think about who Cain is. He's the firstborn son of Adam, right? The Bible tells us that his father Adam had walked with God and talked with God, but now his sin, now his rebellion have caused this man Cain to run from God and be indifferent to God and what God wanted in his life. Let me tell you truly what a difference can be seen between a saved and submitted soul and that of a rebel like Cain. We see a rebel sinner, or sometimes we even see a rebel saint like Jonah. Now the Bible tells us of Moses in Exodus 33 and verse 15, as he was conversing with the Lord, he told the Lord that he did not want to go anywhere without the Lord going with him. He wanted the Lord's presence with him at all times. You read that verse, you'll see what I'm saying. That's Exodus 33, 15. He said, Lord, I'll go, but just go with me. I don't want to go by myself. I don't want, I don't want to go without your presence. And I'll tell you what, I like that. That ought to be our testimony as a Christian. Is, Lord, I'll go anywhere, God. I'll do anything, God, whatever you want. Anywhere, as long as it's with Jesus. As long as it's with your presence, God. And yet we look at our text here and we contrast that. And Cain flees from the presence of God because he didn't want to trust God's way of salvation. And Jonah, he, he, what does he do? He flees from the presence of God. Why? Because he had chosen rebellion, the path of indifference to God and what God wanted in his life. And so he had to just get away. But listen, if we are to have a right relationship with the Lord, 
then guess what? I'll tell you what, we can't get enough, can we? We want all of Jesus all the time. I mean, we say, Lord, I'll go anywhere. I'll stay anywhere so long as you are there, God. That's all that's important. I'll stay, I'll go, as long as you stay with me, as long as your presence is with me. That's the Christian life. Walking and talking with Jesus, amen? As Moses said, Lord, I'll go, as long as your presence goes with me. Well, the contrast is that, you know what? Cain didn't care about that, did he? He was indifferent because he'd sown those seeds of rebellion and rejection to what God wanted in his life. We see also that Jonah... During that period of time in his life, he lost out on those blessings of God because he didn't say, I'll go anywhere except as long as God goes with me. He said, I don't care, God. I don't want to do that. So whether I've got your presence with me or not, I'm running to Tarshish, God. I'm getting out of this place and I'm getting away from you because I don't want to do that. And I'll tell you what, boy, he reaped some misery during those days in his life. And you will too, Christian, if you choose that path of rejection and rebellion that leads to indifference um, and not caring about God. So we've seen four things tonight. We've got one more concerning the indifference, the disinterest of Cain that we see in this text. We see the choice that caused this. And then we see the cause, which was the sin. And we see the company that it led to. We see the contrast between a, a godly man and this choice of rebellion and disinterest and sin. And number five, we see the consequence. Genesis 4.16 says, And dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Now, Nod is like the world. Okay? It, it does not satisfy uh, it is a land of a wandering spirit. In fact, the word nod literally means wandering or vagrancy. This land is the land of the aimless, the land of the dissatisfied, the land of the restless. And you see, Cain, listen, friend, he lived a pointless life in a pointless place because he rebelled against God. And what God wanted in his life. Listen friend. There's no satisfaction found in living in rebellion to God. And in, in, in indifference to what he wants in your life. Lost Cain. Did not find satisfaction in Nod. Separated from God. And neither will you my friend. And saved Jonah. Did not find satisfaction in Tarshish or in the whale's belly. And neither will you, believer. There's no satisfaction from him there when God wanted him in Nineveh. True satisfaction and the reason for living is found in having a close personal and passionate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you what, when we don't have that relationship, because either we're lost like Cain was, or because we have chosen that path of indifference like Jonah to rebel against what God wants in our life, that we will find ourselves indifferent and wandering aimlessly in the land of Nod, indifferent to the Lord, 
and to what the Lord wants. And I'll tell you what, that is not any way to live life, my friend. So what about you? Will you dwell in Nob? Or will you, unbeliever, lost person tonight, will you turn to Jesus and trust him as your personal Lord and Savior and give your life to him that you might love him and live for him as your Savior? And what about you, believer? Hey, I think it's about time God's people repented of their apathy, of their indifference and said, hey, it's time to get this thing right with God. It's time to get fired up for Jesus again and give him first place in my life once again. Would you repent of that tonight and turn to God with all your heart once again? And draw nigh unto God that he might do a work in your life and in our church and our land like we've never seen. Well, you know, the Bible talks about that. I think it's in Deuteronomy. It talks about if my people called by my name will hearken and turn unto me. Uh, that he will, I think it says something about reviving the land or something to that extent. But he'll do that work in our lives, Christians, if we'll simply... Uh, make that decision to get before God and confess it and say, God, I was wrong. I'm agreeing with you. I've got some things that haven't been right. I've been indifferent in my life. I, I've not cared so much about what you want in my life. I want to change that. God. I confess it. It's wrong, God. I want to forsake it, that you shall grant me mercy and do a mighty work in my life now. You know what? The choice is yours, Christian. Because with this message, just like any other, you can let the message go in one ear and out the other and just continue living like you have been, going through the motions, doing your Christian things so often, being like Cain, just mildly religious and indifferent. Or you can let this affect you in a powerful way and change your life for the good and allow God to spark revival in your heart. The choice is yours. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the privilege to preach the word of God. And I pray, Lord, that it would affect hearts. Lord, I pray you'd get your, back, your people back to that place of a first love relationship with you. Lord, where you would make us hot again for you, O oh God. Lord, I pray that you would just do such a mighty work in our lives. I pray if there's any that are listening to this message, that as born-again believers have been running from you and what you want in their life, Lord, I pray they'd repent even tonight. Get that thing right and get back to the place where they just want to be close to you and allow you to be first place in their life once again. And uh, Lord, I pray you do this work in their lives. And Lord, if there's one last thing tonight that has not yet trusted it in you as their Lord and Savior, they've been like Cain and pride, they've refused to bring what you've offered. They'd say, no, God, I'll bring the work of my hands rather than that blood sacrifice which you required. Well, Lord, I pray if you're speaking to them tonight, I pray, God, that you prick their heart. I pray you've shown their need to repent of their wrong and sinful ways and turn to you, the dear dying Lamb of God, uh, that died on that old rugged cross for them, that they might trust in you and follow you and let you now be their Lord and their Savior. Lord, we now commit the preaching of your word uh, to your hand to work mightily in our lives. In Jesus' precious name, amen.